Hallelujah. We're in a series, Forgotten Virtues. We've looked at honor, and today we pick up that series again. We want to look at the aspect of purity. How many of you are afraid of germs? You're maybe germophobic. Did anybody raise their hand? I, you don't have to raise your hand, but I, uh, I know a dear friend of mine in this church, and uh, she has a struggle with always everything has to be washed, everything has to be clean, and all of that. I, and I grew up, I used to eat, my brothers told me I used to eat mud. I used to stand on my head and eat mud in the driveway. I, I don't know if that's true, it didn't sound true to me, but that's what they said. But I was always hungry, that's right. So I was eating mud. But anyway, uh, just there's just this need to be clean all the time. There's not necessarily anything wrong with it. In fact, I appreciate that in the hospitals especially because germs create sickness. But uh, boy, in the hospital, they've got them pasted on the walls all up and down the hallways, and, and I'll hit at least four or five of those before I ever get to the room where I'm going. And then in the room, they've got one. I hit it before I go in, and after I shake hands with you, I hit it again four or five times going out. Because we don't want to get sick. That's what germs do. They cause us to get sick. But I think if we would stop and consider, perhaps we've contaminated ourselves in a sick way and let the germ of sin get in us. And it's there. And just as germs can cause serious consequences, even death... We're told in the Bible that sin can do the same thing. Left unchecked, left unabated, sin can do the same thing. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, who does that include? You could say me if you want, and that's fine. <laughs> it's all of us. And it goes on in 6.23 and says, The wages of sin is death. So, in other words, you earn death if you stay a sinner. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. So there's the hand sanitizer. He's called Jesus. Amen. <laughs> he comes to bring healing and bring about purity in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about today is purity. And uh, I think especially in our American U.S. culture, Christianity has the world as its standard more than the Word of God. We tend to let the world tell us as Christians how we should behave even though God may have a different plan. In fact, in Isaiah, Isaiah says, Woe to me. Now, he was a righteous man, but he's saying, Woe to me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. <clears throat> I was talking to one of my children the other day, and they were talking about how in their generation, the younger generation, the reason most of them don't go to church is because they see such hypocrisy, not so much, this really surprised me, not so much in the church and the people, but in their, their age group who claims they are but behaves like the world. Well, you know, that can translate right on up the line, can't it? I know a lot of mature folks... <laughs> <clears throat> who claim all the blessings of God, but yet, boys, there's times in their lives when I'm not sure about the Jesus that's running them at that hour. But Isaiah understood it. He understood that contaminants and pollutants and 
Spiritual immaturity can cause us to be sick. So why have we forgotten as a culture, why have we pushed God's standard aside? Why is there a gap? I think it's because we've forgotten who we are. If you're in the church service today and you're a mama, mamas know things. Now nobody, when your baby was born, unless you have a mom or a stepmom or whatever who actually came and said, I'll help you, and you were able to receive the instruction, you're kind of left on your own. Cindy and I were talking about a friend of hers that She's the grandmother to a granddaughter, and the granddaughter's mother, really young. And a friend called the grandmother and said, you need to take this baby. And the grandmother says, why? said, because all she knows how to do when the baby cries is hold the baby up and shake it and go, why are you crying? That's a mother that doesn't know what she's doing. But most moms know, don't they? Baby starts crying, you know something's going on, you go figure it out. Either they're hungry, which is most of the time, or something else. But you take care of them. Sometimes they fall down, need a Band-Aid. Or, or as my mother used to bring out that little poison bottle, about that big. That red stuff in it. Oh, McCuricone, Brother Jack knows what I'm talking about. And I used to love it. She, you know, we'd have the cut, right? Now we have Bactine. You just spray it on there and nothing to it. Well, she'd pull that out and like a little puff of smoke would puff, you know, pop out of the little bottle. And the bottle wasn't this big. And she'd pull that thing out and then she'd say, now, hold still. That's always bad when they tell you that first before they ever touch you. Hold still. So she'd dab that on top of that cut. And it wasn't instant. You remember? It wasn't instant. You'd look at it and you'd go, okay, it's red, it's red. Whoa, it's red! Whoa! And then what does she do? Blows on it. And then what does she do? Pushes it down inside there. Your hand's on fire. You know flames are coming out. <laughs> but she does that to purify the cut. Yeah. You ever cut yourself and just said, just leave it. It's got dirt and all that kind of stuff. No problem. Be all right. My body will fight off the... And it turns... Well, never mind. Let's move on. But one of the things that moms learn more than anything is how to pray. Moms learn how to pray because there are times when moms and dads can do nothing else but pray. I remember reading the story about a lady that was pushing a cart through the uh, grocery store. Had her daughter in the little seat. And the mom was heard saying, now, Julie, just calm down. It's going to be okay. Now, Julie, it's all right. Don't raise your voice. Now, Julie, 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 just hang in there. It won't be long before we're through. And somebody was noticing her and stopped her and said, you know, I just want to compliment you on trying to calm your daughter down who was just... And she goes, I bet Julie will appreciate you as a mother. She goes, well, to be honest with you, I'm Julie. <laughs> so, so, 
Sometimes that's what has to happen. Sometimes mom says, all we can do is pray, right? That's it. But I want you to never forget, you are a part of God's family. You are a believer. You are a Christian. And who you are makes a huge difference. In Ephesians 1 and verse 4, it says, Christ chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Wow. Before the creation of the world, He chose us to be those two things. Holy and blameless. We have a holiness problem in our American Christian culture. We do. We don't want to be holy. We don't want that. Because that's going to impede or crowd into my lifestyle. Well, the problem is the more the world we let stay in there, the more corruption, as we've already talked about, happens. So He's calling us to be holy. He's calling us to be blameless. And as believers, we are new creations. So we ought to be responding differently. We ought to be handling things differently. But somehow, somehow, we're seeing as much impurity in believers as we see impurity in the world. I don't know about you, but the old man that died, I keep seeing a miracle of resurrection because he keeps coming back. <laughs> Mine keeps showing up. I don't know about yours. But we've been chosen by God, it says in Ephesians. We are loved, and we're not only loved, but we're His masterpiece, His creation. We're adopted children. He loved us enough to adopt us. But when it comes to, in regards to purity, He uses a different picture. He describes us as a bride and Him as the bridegroom. Now, why does a woman wear a white dress in a wedding? Anybody want to tell me? Shows purity. But what if she's not pure? You wear it anyway. Because it's tradition. Isn't it sad? So why don't she wear an off-white one? That means she's been a little off-pure. But isn't that an interesting description that we're the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom? And I'm telling you, there is nothing more beautiful than the day a woman is a bride. Amen? I mean, there's just nothing. She, I mean, they go through all of this planning and coordinating and getting mad and spending money and oh my God, only to get down to that final moment when she walks down the aisle and that knothead boy standing up here and that dad's looking at that boy going, what am I doing? Or he's going, whoop, let's go, boy. Come on, preacher, get it done. I'm out of here. She's out of here. But, boy, listen, the whole focus is where? Not on him, on her. And when she comes down, boy, and then she looks immaculate. Right? Oh, she does. And that old boy's up here going, hi I, like, I love it because I can stand up here with him and I say, oh, my goodness. And he goes, well, I'm telling you. They'll talk to me. These guys do. But there's just something special about that relationship and about that moment. 
All that planning, all that preparation. And why? Because of what John 3.29 says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. And he knows shortly that she will be my wife. She will be my flesh of my flesh. She will be with me. Woo! That's why I always tell the dads during rehearsal, when you give away the bride, just say whatever you'd like. And the daughter quickly looks at him and said, you better not. Every time. Every time. And some of these guys, well, their minds are going, and you know they want to say some really goofy things. I like what one dad did. He got up to the front, and I said, and who gives this woman to be married to this man? He goes, it beats me, man. I just saw her out in the parking lot, said she needed some help. Well, that brings the whole place down, doesn't it? But the bride belongs to the bridegroom. We are not our own. When you are a Christian, when you are a believer, your life is not your own. You don't own it anymore. Your life is His life. Amen? That's why daddies and mamas should get out of the picture. I've said all along that when a couple gets married, they should move 500 miles away from both sides of families. Make them figure it out. Don't run home and let mama take care of it for you. And we got too many mamas willing to take care of it for you. <laughs> Dads, grab that mama by the nap of the neck and jerk her back over to the house and tell her, sit down, woman, be quiet. Now, you may get out of the hospital in a few days, but that's all right. Call me, I'll come up and pray with you. But the bottom line is that we're not our own. We're not our own. We're individuals, but we've committed to each other and now we're to stay that way. You are called to be like Him. And God, our Heavenly Father, is the groom. Our eyes are to be on Him. Our call is to become like Him. So let me ask you, how's that working for you? What depth of relationship are you pursuing to be like God? Are you any better today than you were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, five years ago? Are you deeper in God's Word? Can you memorize Scripture? Have you got more Scripture under your belt? Have you really, do you really seek Him in a way that you've never sought Him before? Are you hungry and thirsting after righteousness? Or is it just the same old, same old? As this? That's why marriages crumble, because it gets to be the same old, same old. That's it. That's it. We've got to make it exciting. Why is it that while we're courting and dating, man, we make it exciting? Guys, we write notes to them. We make phone calls and make silly little sounds in the phone call to these girls. We come up with nicknames for them, snuggums and smoochums or whatever it is. You know, big old strapping guys and they look like they're you know five years old. <laughs> Because love does crazy. And then they get married and what happens? The ogre shows up. <laughs> Knuckles drag the ground. Don't shave anymore. Bath. Give me a break. I ain't got time. Well, once you smile? Don't want to. Well, why not? Well, I am smiling. Can you see it? <laughs> yeah, lost it. Man, you can't lose it. You got to keep the fire going. Amen. Woo! That's what it's all about. Grab that girl sometime, dip her down, and give her a big kiss. Now, don't go all the way to the floor with her, but you know what I'm saying. Make it a big thing. She's going to know something's up if you try that and you haven't done it in a while. So you might want to try doing it more often before you try. 
and prove a point. But Christ, Christ should become the standard of our purity. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the perfecter. He is the author of our faith. The sanctifier, the purifier. We can't do it on our own. We've got to do it through Him. There's too many women that are trying in their own strength to be pure. You've already been made pure. But your calling is to begin to cooperate. You are called to be holy. In 1 Peter 1.14, it says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as you who called you, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Not just in some things, in all things. It's our calling to be holy. We should take in his word, obey his word. And do the things that He's calling us to do. Again in Romans 12, in verse 2, we've heard this before. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. Transformed. When our kids were growing up is when the Transformer toys came out. And Jeff always had to be Optimus Prime. Because Optimus Prime is the head dog at the trough. Optimus Prime. I love it. And now we, I, I'll watch it again. I'm 56 years old, but bring it on, man. I love watching them cars go. And they start ripping stuff apart. That's awesome. And then they can be running off their car again. That's awesome. Transformed. Be different. And he says, be transformed first with your mind. Change your mind. Clean up your mind, your thought process. Protect it. You can't keep going, contaminating yourself, living in the spiritual filth that's out there or the worldly filth that's out there that affects your spiritual life. Because we are bombarded. We are bombarded inside and outside. I was walking through the mall in Dallas, in Louisville, Texas yesterday. Victoria's Secrets should not exist. Of course, the Bible says if your right eye offend thee, and I covered it when I walked by there. But I saw my left eye kept going wild. I'm telling you, they. why don't they? It's just unbelievable. If you want to see it, take a look. Leaves nothing to the imagination. It's amazing. It's amazing. So we've got to guard, we've got to protect, and we've got to understand in James 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the Word so to deceive yourself. Do what it says. You see, you can't live the Christian life if you just think you can do it. You've got to actually participate in it and be active and do it. Don't just say, well, I'm going to try to do that. No, no, no. You've got to do it. Don't just listen. Obey. Don't just listen. Do what it says. If it's a command of God, do it. It brings life, abundant life to you when you do, when you cooperate with God. Back to Hebrews 12. He says in the first verse, Therefore we are surrounded... By such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
And then he goes on to let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, that's where the focus has to be. If you're looking at the cross, you can't look at Victoria's Secrets. It's hard. It's hard to look at the cross and look at any sin. Amen? That's why we don't look at the cross very often. We don't want to see it. If I see that, it's going to stop me from doing what I want to do over here because, you know, I can do it. It's my life. I can do whatever I want to do. Anytime I want to do it. I never will forget when I visited first time to OSU. Fine institution in Stillwater. My son, student there. Higher halls of learning. Moved out of the dorm into an apartment to save money. I thought, man, that's awesome. It's awesome. I have never in all of my life, even to this day, seen more beer bottles in my life. 55-gallon drums. That holds 55 gallons of liquid overflowing with cans and bottles. And I love the answer I got when I inquired about the amount of beverages that I was seeing. Well, Dad, that's all these other kids. I said, yeah, but it's outside your apartment. (laughs) He said, that's just where it is. It's not ours. I said, gotcha. I'm dumber than a brick. Throw off every hindrance, everything that hinders you. Throw it off. Everything can be permissible in Christ because we're free, but not everything is beneficial. I want what that person has. Uh, They're going to see the righteousness of Christ manifested in their life. (laughs) Right. Because deep down inside, they want what the world wants instead of what every believer should want, and that's to cooperate with God and be in relationship with God. So who are you cooperating with? Are you listening to the flesh? Are you listening to your eyes? Are you looking for that unblemished, at that unblemished bridegroom as you get ready to develop that relationship? Let me speak into the lives of our ladies here just, just a minute this morning. First Peter 3, 3 says, Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious, precious in the sight of God. When I think of people that are truly beautiful, and I think of women especially that are truly beautiful, it's not so much the outside as I see what's on the inside. And that inside comes out, and it comes out in great ways. I see great deeds of mothers. I see great faith demonstrated by grandmothers. And it's not about the way they look. It's about the way they live. And you know, folks, that's where the emphasis needs to be. Proverbs eleven twenty two. it says, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. <laughs> Proverbs is pretty straightforward, isn't it? I've seen some pig-snouted women in my time. Well, not so much the pig snout, but the gold ring there. He says, don't. Carry yourself that way. 
look differently. And the thing that's amazing is if, if clothes could, could talk, if clothes could talk, they would say some things to us. Sometimes clothes say from a woman, I'm insecure. Sometimes they say, hey, man, I'm cool. It takes pride to wear what I'm wearing. <laughs> I'm easy to look at. I'm a sexy woman. Some clothes say, won't you just love me? Some clothes say, I'm hiding here. I don't want anybody to know who I am. Some, some clothes say, I'm pretty important. I mean, see this label? <laughs> some clothes to women who are pursuing purity say, I'm pure, I'm chosen, I'm special, I'm loved, I'm holy. Because they carry themselves that way, they dress that way. And it's real obvious. Jesus said that to cause a man to lust, he's committing adultery in his heart, and so don't be a source of temptation. You want to honor not just brothers in Christ, but all men because you represent Christ. Timothy says it this way, I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Amen. Amen. Now, do I want to look at a woman that's ugly? No. But I may never see an ugly woman if I see the good things she does. Because it's really about what we do, isn't it? And why is it, ladies, that I'm picking on you and not the men? Why is that? Why can't men just keep their eyes to themselves and quit looking? Amen? I wish I had an answer for you. This one's pretty flippant, but it's true. Us, we're wired that way. So men have to learn some things. I'd encourage every man in this room to read a book called Every Man's Battle by Steve Arterburn. I'd, I'd encourage you to read it. In fact, you women that are seeking getting married, and those of you are married, you ought to read it. It'll help you understand him a lot better. But I'm telling you, telling you, we need to, we need to be careful. Ladies, if you want to dress provocatively, and that's, that's awesome, but do it in the privacy of your home. Your husband is the only one that needs to see you dress that way. Don't wear it to the mall. <laughs> Don't wear it to the mall. Be very careful. My son Mark is just learning about youth ministry. He calls me probably every week. He always has a question. And I always say to him, gee, Mark, what class did you learn that in? He said, Dad, I didn't get in a class. I said, I know you didn't get in a class. That's why you're in the class now. You're going to learn it now. He said, well, what am I supposed to do? I said, I don't know. Throw your hands up and hope for the best. Now, I'll give him some advice, some ideas. But, you know, one of the things that he called about was modesty. When they have youth group gatherings and they swim, some of the girls don't dress modestly. I said, that's going to be a problem, son. I said, so you need to establish rules of the road, some game plan here. So everybody knows, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody does the same thing. I said, so if you want the girls to wear a shirt, why don't you wear one? said, you want the girls to wear a colored T-shirt? That's what they want them to do, not a two-piece suit. You want a colored suit. I never forget a few years ago we went out to uh, Tennessee and our girls were wearing their two-piece suits to go down the Akoi River, whitewater rafting. <laughs> and they told the lady that checked us in, she said, they said, 
is, is this okay to wear on the river? And she started laughing. And I think I concerned her girl. She goes, well, I wouldn't, but then again, I don't look like that. <laughs> but they did put the big life jacket on. That helps. But it was fun watching them to get on the bus. And the guys who were already on the bus, watching them get on the bus, it was fun. Proverbs 31, 30 says this, Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord is praised. So be that kind of woman, ladies. And you'll attract that kind of man who believes in you and will help you be that type of woman. We might say, I'm a pretty good Christian preacher. I do, I do some good things. But I want you to know right now you can't go your way to heaven. I want you to know right now you can't give enough money to get to heaven. I want you to know right now that you can't be on enough boards. You can't hold enough positions in the church. You can't uh, serve enough dinners at John 316. Uh, you can't go to church camp until you're 90 years old and expect all of that's going to get you to heaven. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to me but through my Father. And nobody gets to the Father but through me. I switch those around. So it's important that we have that kind of relationship. Purity only comes when we've developed a relationship with Christ. Pray with me if you would. Father, I ask you to reveal areas in our lives where we are impure. And God, I know this message in so many ways. The women probably felt like I was picking on them. But I think if we could hear a voice from your spirit, it would speak to every one of us. Because every one of us needs to dress in a way so that we call attention to the good deeds we do and not this body that we possess. Because if we truly are not conformed to the world but transformed, then our body is not our own. It's yours to do, it, do with as you need. And Father, I know there are some here who struggle with television, with movies, they find their eyes drifting when they're at the computer screen and they think they're all by themselves. But God, I've got great news today. And your promise is so true in Scripture today. And we can claim the victory and the healing and the purifying today. Father, we can be sanitized today. can remove the germ of sin today, this moment, because the promise in 1 John 1, 9 is that if we will confess our sins to you, then you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, if we haven't been the type of person that we should be, if we haven't been the believer that we should be, that can change instantly. So, Father, I'm praying that today, if there's someone in this room who's been struggling with impure thoughts, with impurity in general, that, Father, they would come close to You. And when they come, You're so ready to reach out and to love them and to hug them and to forgive them. And so, God, I pray that today they would sense that, they would feel it, they would experience it. God, You'd lift a burden. In Jesus' name, amen. Our elders will be here at the front.